And man, like when you feel alone and bitter and frustrated, don't take the easy way out and blame the employer. It's not their fault that you're in that job. Yeah. Like mm. it is your fault. And I don't mean that in any like brow beating or like to sure. beat up on people, but I'm saying like you have it within you. You can dig deep, you can figure it out. And it but the promise is it will not be easy. But I mean, great things are worth like all good stories have tension. And so if you're feeling tension, you're probably in a good story. Welcome, friends. You are listening to Blue Collar Money, Theories of Middle Class Investing with your hosts, P.W. Gopal and Mike Hatch. Hey, welcome back to Blue Collar Money Theories of Middle Class Investing, where we help everyday folks get financially unstuck by taking a blue collar approach, rolling up our sleeves, getting our hands dirty, and accepting responsibility for our own financial future. My name is Mike Hatch, and I'm here, of course, as usual, with P.W. Gopal. P.W. Man, so good to be with you again. And dude, do we have an interview today? <laughs> This is one of our uh, one of my favorite people, uh, new favorite people I've reconnected with. Uh, but man, uh, the way he voices things is incredible, and so I'm like you said, I'm just pumped uh, yeah. that folks get to to meet our friend uh, Jeremy Shepard. Is known on YouTube as Jeremy the Guitar Hunter. Uh, he has a really unique story in that he had to do a pivot, a job pivot career pivot, um, but also in the middle of COVID and has had to figure out building a personal brand um, in a pretty, I think, rigorous season. Last year was pretty hard on most people, but it's especially if you're going to give up all your income and benefits to start a business. Yeah. And he's had to figure out a lot, but man, he's got incredible perspective, incredible perspective on the kingdom. But the value that he gave us in an hour is just insane. So... Can't yep. wait for you to to listen. Yeah, so grateful for him. And we'll put in the show notes because unfortunately we forgot to mention it. Actually, we'll have to put in the show notes how to how to find him on YouTube, uh, online, all that kind of stuff. If anybody wants to reach out and uh, learn more or watch more, we'll make sure that information is available to you. Also, uh, before we jump into that, I want to remind everybody that uh, well, first of all, thank you, the listener, for listening. We are grateful for you and more and more we are getting to interact with some of you and it has been unbelievably encouraging for us yep. to to get to even to do some Zoom meetings with some of you and uh, and see your face and hear your heart about uh, the ways you want to play a role in God's redemptive work in this world. It's been incredible. Yeah, Tim and Tim and Jason specifically um, really encouraged by our um, dialogue conversation. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. The, it, amazing conversations. And, and these guys who are really thinking through this in terms of how to, how to play that redemptive role in their own communities. So again, if, if you want to, please reach out to us, feel free to uh, shoot us an email and we'd love to interact with you. Um, just know though, obviously we have a, a limit to how much margin we have. So 
uh, if we get an onslaught, um, be patient with us. We will get back to you though. We'd love to, to interact with you. The thing we want to put on your radar is that we are for the first time in PW, I know you and I are super pumped about this. We are going to be starting the very first blue collar money mastermind where we're inviting you, the listeners to, uh, to join us for a five week mastermind. And, uh, and we're going to talk just in a moment about what that is exactly. And we're, and we're calling it investing for kingdom impact. And we're going to take a lot of the things that we've learned over the course of doing this podcast, interviewing different people in our own life experiences. And we've put them into this, uh, this process we're going to take you through to really help crystallize for you who, who partakes in it, what your next step should be. And PW, what are some of the key points that we're going to be covering for that mastermind? Yeah, so there are five five weeks uh, to the mastermind and five main points that we're gonna that we're gonna try and hit. Um, the first one being we want to complete the biblical narrative. So when when we're operating operating from uh, either a narrative that has holes in it or that's been misinformed, like we want to make sure that we understand what the gospel is asking of us. And right. so we call that completing the biblical narrative. Um, that pushes us to get our house in order, right? To stage for war, to for however you want to, you know, look at it. So that's number two. Number three is, you know, once we've staged, then we start planting. We start farming. Mm-hmm. What's it like to plant in our field? So that's investment, stewardship, and then it moves us into the idea of planting in others' fields. Again, kind of kind of the teach a person to fish paradigm. Um, and then after that, it's you know, celebrate God. What is a life of worship? in commerce, in stewardship, uh, in community uh, look like. So those are our five points. Complete the biblical narrative, get your house in order, plant in your field, plant in others' fields, and celebrate God. And the reason we're doing it in this format, a mastermind format, uh, essentially is not not necessarily a teacher-student model. Um, it, It is... Uh, but it invites more voices and and more minds and more interaction, yeah, and more right. interaction. So you are able to to you know kind of really crawl your way around your own personal gaps and problems, you know, by getting feedback from other people that are kind of learning and sharing the same language. Uh, the goal of this community is to really create a shared language, so we don't have to like reinvent. Uh, minutes for one another. Like if Mike says something, I just know what it is and we can get right to the point. Um, and this is the beginning of that kind of interaction. We've been waiting for for this, honestly, this real intimate time where we can get to know one another. And if you've been listening from the beginning or caught us halfway or you know, even just caught us lately, um, we would love to have this time with you to learn from you and then to even pour into you the resources and um, you know, some of the things that we have been learning. Uh, it's going to run five weeks. It's going to be $199. Um, after this beta, this run of five weeks, it'll go up to $497 and it'll kind of stay there. Um, after the mastermind, you can, you have access to a couple of other courses at massive discounts, I think like 80% off for yep. those other courses. And, and we're going to start a regular group of people that it'll probably be a private Facebook group where you know, we can have um, regular interaction about mm-hmm. more specific things. Um, That's right. The podcast is our front door. It's how we really want to bring value to people. But the people that say, hey, we want more, like we really want to refine our tools and, and our understanding of things. It's, you know, we want to make sure that we're investing in that. So 
That's right. That's right. It's going to be amazing because we'll have the opportunity to dig a little deeper and not just we talk about all sorts of ideas and things, really helpful things and add a lot of value, I think, to folks as they listen. But it takes to a whole nother level when you start offering up your own experience, your own specific circumstance and allow others to, to be able to speak into that. Um, so, yeah, that'll be that'll be amazing. Yeah, and so just so that. Yeah. So you want to email me at Mike Hatch at the blue Again, that's Mike Hatch at thebluecollarmoney.com. Shoot me an email and just put in the subject mastermind and uh, and let us know you want to be in. And we will, uh, we're going to send back to you eventually a, we're still working on it, but a registration link for you to be able to register. But we wanted to get the word out immediately as soon as possible. That is going to start on uh, Wednesday, July 21st and run five weeks until August 18th. I want to say, yeah, Wednesday, August 18th is the fifth week. And we're going to do it over the noon lunch hour. So noon to 1 p.m. every every Wednesday during those five weeks. For those of you who can't necessarily attend in person, we're willing to still bring you in and offer up uh, the recordings if you want. But uh, yeah, looking forward to working with you guys uh, more and getting to know some of you uh, more. It's already been really encouraging. And man, it's going to be more as we move forward. So, so yeah, that's the mastermind. And just so you know, for those of you who don't know what a mastermind is, it is basically a meeting of people facilitated by myself and PW. We're going to create a framework for discussion. Um, and we will start the, the one hour meeting with uh, about 20 minutes of, of material to build that framework. And then you will break out into groups of two or three uh, who are also partaking in it in order to uh, process that uh, information and be able to assimilate it and begin to understand how to process, you know, how to apply it in your life. And then we'll come back probably the last few minutes just to wrap things up. But that's, that's basically it. There are a few other things that are involved in the mastermind as well, or we might, you know, set up time to get together with you, but that's the basic gist. So, all right, we're going to jump into this interview. And as we do, I just wanted to share a scripture to set things up. Because one of the things that Jeremy talked about a lot uh, in this interview was the kingdom of God and and using what we're doing in our professions, uh, you know, in, in our investments, our entrepreneurial endeavors um, in business is um, using those as as your way of having a redemptive impact in this world uh, for the for the kingdom of God. and. There's a great passage that I wanted to bring up to kind of set set the tone for this. And it is Matthew chapter 11, verse starting with verse 11. And Jesus has just talked about John the Baptist who had been arrested and eventually was going to get beheaded. And uh and Jesus is is speaking to his disciples here and he says truly i tell you whenever jesus says that it means perk up this is important whenever you hear jesus say truly i tell you that's a that's a major statement he says among those born among uh, born of women no one greater than john the baptist has appeared but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he so god is jesus is is helping to illustrate the upside down nature of the kingdom of god that those that we value the most in this world are actually uh, of lesser value in the kingdom and those that are, uh, maybe valued less or are more marginal considered marginal in terms of our, our value system here in this world are 
much more valued in, in God's uh, kingdom. And so then he says this, he says, from the days of, of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence and the violent have been seizing it by force for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. Let anyone who has ears listen. So what he's saying is here, he's saying, look, the kingdom of heaven is, is, is breaking in. It's, it's subversive is, is the theological term we, we throw around in, in seminary, which just means it is intentionally breaking into this world. It's a coup in a sense. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's entering in and taking over basically. And so more and more, God is trying to accomplish his purposes in this world for his kingdom's sake. And as a result, there is a counter to that kingdom of God breaking in. And so the kingdom of God and the efforts of the kingdom of God to break in are suffering violence, which means there's violent opposition to it. So when, and and the point in this is just knowing that when you entrust yourself to God and to his kingdom and his purposes, especially in your, in your uh, endeavors in, in, uh, in commerce, you will suffer violence. Unfortunately, it will happen. You will, uh, there, there's suffering involved for it. But the beautiful thing is there are profoundly eternal uh, purposes being fulfilled uh, through it. And so it's not all for naught. So um, anyway, I wanted to bring that up to, just to remind us that as Jeremy says, and you'll hear it, there's no separation between the sacred and the secular. What you do professionally either plays a role in God's kingdom and what he's doing in this world, his purposes, um, or maybe uh, you might intentionally not be trying to do that, (laughs) in which case, um, really you're not, how do I say this? God might be using you, but maybe not, uh, in, in a voluntary way, (laughs) I guess, but it's always better to entrust ourselves to God's purposes and allow him to use us uh, where we are to bring about his purposes. And when we do, um, we will suffer resistance, but we will also see incredible, incredible things happen uh, for his purposes. So anything you would add to that, PW? Well, I think the, to take it a step further, I don't know that that folks would agree with this, but um, when I, when I read that verse, it, it appears to me that we project violence to onto the kingdom to hold it back. Mm. Um, you know, especially when, when we're not, when we're not playing a role in God's when redemptive, we're not playing a role in, in seeing the kingdom enter in, we're holding it back. And I do believe that God says, Hey, you know, like you stiff necked people, yeah. I'm not going to show myself here because you're not expecting me. So I'm going to go somewhere else and show myself and let the kingdom enter in. You know, I don't think he, Again, I don't know this, but in my experience, it feels like God doesn't waste his time on those that those that are not wanting to see him and join him and co-labor and and ask for his kingdom to, you know, to come. And so I think we can have a role in holding it back, which is which is unfortunate. I don't like that we have that power ability that God offers us. Um, and the, especially when the alternative is a, is amazing and beautiful and eternal and life-changing. And Jeremy, I don't know. I think the way he frames that conversation is beautiful. I mean, he just did a great job talking yeah. about how, what it looks like when the kingdom enters in. Yeah, I agree. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into our interview with Jeremy, the guitar hunter shepherd. 
Jeremy Shepard, man, welcome to the Blue Collar Money Podcast. We are so excited to have you, bro. And uh, you and I, we just met, but you've been friends with PW for a while. And uh, so PW, I'm gonna let you take it from here, man. But we're excited to have you. Oh, thanks for having me. So fun. This has been um, this has been a long time coming. I, uh, Jeremy and I have known each other for a number of years. Um, but I think just through social media have been able to reconnect. Uh, I've been fascinated by his process just from watching him from a distance and kind of seeing him make a huge pivot and then just be in a place now where he's influencing a ton of people. He's doing what he, he loves. He's taking some pretty cool risks. And we were, we were just like, man, we, we need to get him in front of our our friends, um, just so they can hear a little bit more about his story. And so I'm really grateful for you, brother. Thank you oh, for, thanks, for being man. a part of this. And, um, we're, we are, we're a big family of people that really want to kind of roll up our sleeves, get our hands dirty and take responsibility for, for our finances. But, you know, kind of to, in hopes that we in our little part of the world get to move the kingdom forward and see, Absolutely. see redemption in front of us. Um, so I know you have, you have that same heart, but um, I, w- I would love for people to get to know you. So can you just sure. tell us a little bit about like what you do now and what you're yeah. working on? Yeah. So, uh, so I'm Jeremy and uh, I have a, I run a YouTube channel. That's my main thing that I'm doing every week. Uh, so it's called Jeremy, the guitar hunter. And the problem that I solve is that most people, it takes way too long to find the right guitars for them. And so I create videos. I do patron Patreon. Uh, I create um, e-courses. I'm in, I'm in the process of recording and launching some courses for people to help find the right guitars faster. I also work with guitar shops uh, because I love marketing. And that's really the thing behind all of it is I love marketing and creating marketing systems Um, but there are a million people that are good at that. And so I've just moved into my own niche. So I now work with guitar shops. If they don't know how to connect with guitar players or their community, or if their business is struggling, I jump in and help them. I can create marketing systems for guitar shops. And then I also work with larger brands, Fender, Guild, Martin, these really large guitar companies, and I help them launch new products and, uh, yeah. And, and interact with players um, so yeah, I, I'm living the millennial dream of being a YouTuber. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you, how old are you? Are you technically a millennial? I'm, I think I'm an old millennial. I'm 34. I'll be 34 oh, are, in, 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 like next week. Yeah. You Definitely are in- millennial. Yeah. Like, I mean, like I didn't get a cell phone until my senior year of high school. And I remember when text messages were 50 cents a piece. So. Whoa. <laughs> I don't even remember that. I, oh I remember gosh. like. I was somewhere and I had to text my brother. I was like, nah, it's not worth 50 cents. I'll just walk around until I find him. (laughs) But yeah, and there's a huge pivot that happened a couple of years ago in my vocation, which got me to where I am now. That's awesome. So you're a millennial living the dream, doing the YouTube. And and the cool thing is, is you, you're on both the supply and the buy side and kind of everywhere in between (laughs) in a sense. As, as, as you were just describing that, you said you work with guitar uh, exactly. companies and, and with uh, guitar shops, it sounds yeah. like, and you're helping to educate the customer on the buy side. Exactly. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just as a person who loves guitars, I help people find guitars and I help guitars find people. You're a matchmaker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I mean, and that's like, um, 
in the Enneagram world, if that's on your radar. Oh, it is. I'm like a two of twos. Like I view life through relationships. Hey, hey. That's what Mike is. Jeremy, hey. Jeremy, hey. I'm I'm an Enneagram too. So oh good. my gosh. Okay, I'll make sure to fill this with words of affirmation for you because hey. there you go. We it will. It, yeah, I know how intoxicating that is. Yeah, yeah, and that's where. So for me, like my channel, the the tagline is music and friendship. Like fill the world with music and friendship. And so that's my goal is discover this thing inside you and then share it with people. And that's a deep and meaningful life on the other side. Yes, you. Our relationship has just gone to another level, Jeremy. We did it. Yeah, <laughs> y'all need a y'all need a moment to work this out. <laughs> so. I think this is going to be fascinating to people because um, you had to pivot, which, and I don't know our listenership well enough to know that this is true for, you know, for maybe more yeah. than a handful yeah. of people, but you made a massive pivot during a terrible year. <laughs> Can you describe that? So in yeah. 2014, I was recruited, I was living in New Orleans. I was recruited into a sales job. I was selling high-tech gadgets and oil and gas that are super complicated gas chromatographs, photoionization detectors, Raman spectrometers, all these like crazy things that I never went to school for. I went to school for special education. Somehow I wound up in the sales gig because I was really good at relationships and people. And um, I was in this gig where I was like, I don't know how to explain these things. So that's where I was like in this sales gig trying to figure out how to market and sell these things. And that's when I got really into paying more attention to marketing and um, I did that for years. I got really good at it. But the more, the better I got at it, the bigger my territory got. And um, I got mm-hmm. to where I had two little kids and I'd just been given the panhandle of Florida and East Texas. So I was living in Louisiana. I was covering Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama. They added East Texas. They added Florida. They wanted me to start going into Arkansas. And I was like, I just can't do this. Like, this is not worth it. And I was self employed, I was an independent contractor and I was making great money, but it just was, I saw that that was headed to us. That was headed down a storyline. I didn't want to go like every, every guy that was in that job for long enough was divorced and their kids hated them and they weren't connected to their church. And so I was like, this is not me. And so I made, that's the biggest pivot was I left that job and I would started doing marketing, uh, like freelance marketing as a story brand certified guide. And um, if you don't know what a, a story brand certified guide is, it's a marketing methodology that uses the tool, uses the tool of story, which that is how your brain makes sense of the world. And the best brands understand this and put themselves into the story their customers are living. And you become an irreplaceable, trusted voice that will help them succeed. So I started a marketing agency. We moved from Louisiana back to my hometown in Virginia in the Shenandoah Valley. Anyway, this is a long explanation, but I ended up taking a marketing director job and I got to where it was a company that wanted a marketing director. They were a commercial truck dealer group. So they sold Kenworth and Volvo trucks and uh, really fun. Like I loved, I loved certain parts of that job, but it got to where they wanted all of my time and they asked me to sign a document that basically I wouldn't do any freelance work on the outside. And I was like, well, that doesn't work. Cause I'm doing this. I started doing YouTube videos in 2016 and it wasn't a full-time gig. And uh, there was just more and more pressure. And uh, each day for the last six months, every day was like, I, I might quit today. <laughs> and it just got like more and more stressful. 
And uh, I eventually got let go. I was asked to resign because I wrote a letter to uh, a general manager of one of the dealerships. And I told him he did a great job and that he's a good man. And I'm, and I, I can see why his team loves him so much. And uh, I was let go because, or I was asked to resign because who am I to tell uh, one of our general managers that they're doing a good job. They could sue us if, you know, like, and I was like, what? And as like such a relational person, I was like, I, I relate to that Enneagram two moment, Jeremy, very much. Yeah, where you're just like, that's hey, terrible. I wrote a letter to this guy because he's doing a great job and he is. And this guy's making millions of dollars for the company. But then the other side, like the super risk averse. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, what's the risk in telling somebody that they did a good job? Uh, the guy hadn't had his performance review for the year. And it's a, it's a deeply numbers driven business. Even though we were, you know, we were at 41% profitability in his branch that year. Um, they didn't want to say he was doing a good job. Um, so I left, I left that job in February of 2020. And as we now know, it was a bad idea or a risky idea to leave a job <laughs> with benefits for my family. Um, cause I have well, three little, I have three little kids as well. And my wife stays at home with our kids. I was going to say that's always a risky thing, but it was especially, you didn't know what was coming up I and mean, you didn't know. What yeah. Yeah. So, so, and while I was doing this, my YouTube channel has been growing and you know, I like I was on the dock ready to go and the boat was still pretty far off. And the goal was to get the boat close enough to the dock. Um, but what we realized, well, maybe I'm mixing analogies here. If my vocation was a job was a boat, I was taking on water, but I could see land. And I was like, okay, I either stay with this thing because basically I'm in a, I'm in a W2 job where I'm not getting paid enough. And my, and the company has admitted that that's their strategy, pay people not enough to do anything else and then ask them to not do anything else. So you get people to stay with you for 30 years. Jeez. And um, so that's where I was like, I can see land and we're scrappy enough to, to get shit done. So like, I would rather bet on myself, jump out of the boat and make, make a run or like swim for the shore. And so that's what we did in February of last year. And within a couple of weeks, I got offered another job that would be temporary. It was a director of development for a nonprofit. It's called Harrisonburg Downtown Renaissance. So it's the nonprofit that supports downtown businesses and uh, restaurants and all that, which ended up being vitally important last year. And um, mm -hmm. so I jumped in with them and I basically was doing what I do in YouTube videos. I produced videos of local musicians and then I reached out to local businesses that I knew. We created a grant program where we were able to raise about $500,000 uh, in grants for small businesses in downtown Harrisonburg. And we, like I helped, I was able to use my skills to help this nonprofit take care of my hometown. Mm -hmm. And um yeah. And then by September of last year, it was really clear that they needed someone who could do more. And I, my YouTube stuff was strong enough that I could jump out and really go full force into YouTube. So since September of last year, uh, YouTube, and then a little bit of freelance marketing has been my, like the way I'm taking care of my family and, uh, and growing my career. Wow. So it's been, yeah, it's like there, there has been no calm. Since that 2013. is 
Yeah, that is quite, well, That I was going to say it was quite a year, but that's a good point. That's been quite a, what, seven or eight years. Yeah. I mean, and what's, what's crazy is like the most stressful time in my vocation in the last eight years, because I've been self-employed basically since 2013. And uh, like the scariest time and the most lonely vocational time was when I was a W-2 employee with benefits and somebody else is paying my taxes. Like, mm. and that was the moment where I felt the most insecure and the least mm. valued which is wow. crazy. So you have, you essentially have pivoted into a personal brand, right? So it's Jeremy, yeah. the guitar hunter. Yeah. And you think, but you've got to wear all the hats. I mean, you, you used a phrase in our initial conversation uh, that I wrote down that says help isn't coming. Yes. And can you talk about the different hats that you have to wear and kind of like sure. how you fit into them? Yeah. So um, right now to do what I need to do, there's a deep level of admin um, that is not my, that's not my skill set, like setting up systems and setting up. But um, I know my skill set really well. I'm specialized. I really like working hard. Uh, hard work comes naturally to me and it gives me life. Um, and I've always thought I would love to find a team. I'd love to find a business or someone that's growing something and they just need help. They need support. I'd love to play that kind of support role, mm -hmm. like the deeply relational chief of staff kind of role. And I thought yeah, I've had a couple of situations where it's like, oh, that's where this is going to happen. And it doesn't happen. And somewhere along the way, I realized help isn't coming and mm -hmm. it is on me. Like, I'm not going to find this great opportunity that pays me enough that leaves dignity for me and my family and financial freedom. Like, my only chance is creating a thing. Hmm. And so in creating that thing, I've really had to learn how to make video. So I like, you know, like, um, I grew up in the era of like CKY and Jackass. And so like in high school, I had a camera and it's like, go jump into that bush. And like, I'd make a video and um, <laughs> that's great. And then I love guitars. And, uh, and so I was like, well, I can figure out cameras. How much have they changed in 15 years? A lot. And um, <laughs> so I got into video production and I've just had to go like full on, learn how to produce video, learn how to record audio, learn how to mix. And, uh, and then also with my personality, because there's so much achieving in me that for me, I'm just like, every video has to be better than the next one. So that means it's not just a, I took a class and then I know how to do it. For me, it's like continuing ed. So I have to build in time throughout the week to like continue to learn how to refine video production and audio production. Mm -hmm. That's my new one now. Cause I just finished building out a studio uh, for my YouTube channel and I'm just moving into things that I've never done before. Like I've never had a recording studio. So I've never had like the full blown speakers and mics and, you know, I've never had to acoustically treat a room. Um, but then there's also the other components of I'm also buying and selling guitars as often as I can. So I'm, it's a thing I've done forever, buying and selling guitars, but now I'm filming myself do it. I'm getting people, I'm helping people overcome their anxiety of being on camera. I'm, you know, uh, I'm also sharing more information publicly than I normally would. Like, I don't, I now I tell people what I pay for guitars and then I sell those guitars on my website and people see, Oh, well you bought it for $800 and now you want to sell it to me for $1,400. And they're like, I'll give you eight I'm like, well, you could have gotten it for that price, but you didn't. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah, that's where it's like, and I'll teach you, you know, you can, you can go through one of my classes, you can sign up for coaching with me, I'll teach you how to find those guitars in your town. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, so I mean, there's just so much to it now, video production, photography, that's a whole other, I've really so, had to learn photography. Yeah, so real quick, just uh, to yeah. just highlight something real quick. And I think this is so huge. And PW, you mentioned it when you asked him too, is the whole idea, help is not coming. Yes. That quote sticks out to me. And and here's why, because I know, especially for the millennial generation right now, those who are younger, um, I think a lot of them are uh, stuck in that rut yes. of like, how, like who, how, who, who am I going to get help from? Or when, when is the help going to come? Yep. Um, and unfortunately, and, and it's so funny, I just was recently in, I've been in a, uh, uh, a LinkedIn, um, dialogue in over in a Bloomberg article that just came out about mm -hmm. how unprepared millennials are <laughs> with their finances. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and there's some truth to it, but at the same time, it misses some things. And, and I was interacting with folks and, and several of the people mentioned some of the, several of the millennials said, first of all, thank you for recognizing that we're different from the previous generation in some ways, but they said, but I think the one lady said, how, how do we do this? The game has changed. Mm -hmm. How do we, how do we make a living? How do we yeah. provide for our future in ways? And, and you just, you just gave an incredible example. Well, part of it is you accept responsibility in a sense, and, and you have to start learning new skills. You have to start yeah. um, doing some things to, to supplement where you are. Yeah. to get you to the and, next level. And man, like when you feel alone and bitter and frustrated, don't take the easy way out and blame the employer. It's not their fault that you're in that job. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. it is your fault. And I don't mean that in any like brow beating or like to sure. beat up on people, but I'm saying like you have it within you. You can dig deep. You can figure it out. And it, but the promise is it will not be easy, but I mean, great things are worth like all good stories have tension. And so if you're feeling tension, you're probably in a good story. And so you have to shift, you have to look and see where you are. One of the things that we, you know, and I, I, I love that we're going to be able to, to play this for a younger generation and have them, you know, get some value from it. Um, and, and kind of along the line of stories, I think I think younger people need to have those, I call them IMDB moments, where you kind of go look at a movie and you look at the cast and the crew. Like, yeah. you have to know the constellation of the game you want to play. You need to know all the players and all the names. Mm -hmm. and, and then you got to figure out which titles you can insert yourself into. Yeah. Right, so right now you are your video guy and you are your audio guy and you are the front front man and you are the guitar buyer and the guitar seller and the admin and yeah um, and i'm also the accountant and the right. uh and no. the admin and you know uh like one of the things right now that is eating me alive is how many people want information from me and they send it through an email because i remember i built my website and i dreamed of the day that somebody would fill out a form on my website and ask me a question about a guitar and now i'm getting 250 a week and it's, Ooh. should I buy this guitar or this guitar? Or what do you think about this? I found this one used. What would you do? And I'm, I love, like, I love interacting with people. And I hate that every week I'm like, I have 15 minutes to blast through as many of these as I can. 
Um, It doesn't feel like friendship. It doesn't feel like quality interaction. And Mm. so that's where I'm trying Mm. to find a mechanism uh, to, to give people, to leave dignity. That's, that's one of my biggest missions is like, you know, friendship requires dignity. And so like, there has to be a way to do this better. Um, Yeah. And that's where like, in your business, you have to continue to look first at your problems. Like if you ignore the problem, like if I don't answer any questions about that, eventually people will stop asking questions and like Mm -hmm. my business will fail. So you have to look at the business, the problems first and continue to find solutions for those. Um, And so for me now I'm trying to figure out like, okay, if I look at all those questions I get asked, they fall into three typical categories. I need help on a specific thing. I need help in general or, uh, I want to spend time with you. Like, okay, I can make products that support my family and support my business, but also give more validity to our relationship and interaction and more value to you and what you're trying to accomplish in your life. That's tough, yeah. man. Especially as, as a relational person, I feel your pain there. We now our podcast is not, it's not, yeah. you know, we don't have a huge following by any means, but I've found the tension already in me yeah. and we've only had a few people reach out not yeah. 250 yeah. and, uh, and, and it's, it, it was eating at me that we hadn't responded to, yep. to a few guys sooner. Yeah. And, uh, but, but, oh man, that's, that's hard, especially when you're driven by relationships. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We, we ask people to, to I mean, to really consider the margin that they have. And then, you know, obviously if you create margin, what do you do with the margin? Exactly. Um, like how much, obviously you've got a lot of hats to wear. I'm guessing, and I would love for you to speak into this, like how much time hmm. are you, do you set aside for family and for, for community yeah. and all the different things? And, are, and do you guard it pretty hard? I guard it relentlessly. So I, I tend to default to the 30,000 foot view. The responsibility of humans in the world is to bring out all of the potential that the world has to offer and to cause human flourishing. So God created the world and he said, I made this and it's good and made this and it's good. And he, and I made things and it called it. And then all of a sudden he creates Adam and he says, tag, you're it. Now you call things like you name <laughs> things. Yeah. Humans do what God does. God brings out potential. God brings out human flourishing. And so that's the work. And so like, and even in the fall, what broke? or what got harder was people's work. Like we're still called to work, but it's way harder now. And uh, it basically split life into there's valid work and invalid work. So anyway, all of that to say, you asked about time and boundaries and all those things. So my work now is to help people discover a deep and meaningful life, creating music and making friends. And my time is mostly spent producing videos and that is the hardest part of, I mean, it just takes up the most of my time. Mm. So I just now have hired an editor and basically she's taking one of my videos a week. We're kind of doing an on-ramping like where I was like, Hey, I will pay you. I just need you to watch 30 or 40 of my videos and get my vibe. See how I do titles, see how I do transitions. And then she came in and like in a week, like she's got my vibe and she's way better and way faster. Mm. And so it's just so good. Where I'm like, oh, it, it like, it's it got to feel amazing. Oh, it's yeah. so good because it's like, oh, it feels like I made that video, but I'm watching it for the first time. And, oh wow! And it's this so is, good. I mean, this is really important for people to understand because when you're an entrepreneur, you are the value in the business. 
And yeah. now you're trying to scale the business. Like, um, yeah. not to take away from the story, but what I've realized with wrenching on cars is I can make 30, 30 to 40,000 a year, or I can make 150,000 a year. Yeah. But either it's a one man show or it's got to yeah. be a seven person show. Yeah. And there's no in between. Yeah. And that, yeah, and, that's where it's like, it's just preposterously difficult yeah. to get, to get yourself out of all the things. Yeah. So um, in your game, like, you know, if, if somebody staffed you right now, you could blow up. Yeah. But the hardest part is figuring out what are the necessary steps, the slow methodical steps exactly. to scaling. And then, you know, how do you deal with, how do you deal with like when things don't work out, obviously this having this lady work for you has worked out well. What are, what yeah. are some of the other things that you're trying to like offload? I I'm trying to offload as much of my video editing as I can because in a normal week, that's 30 hours of my time. And so, wow. like, man, if I got 30 hours a week, which, so in the last two weeks, um, Callie's edited videos for me. And so each week I've gotten about 10 hours back. And like in those 10 hours, I reached out and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to get on as many guitar podcasts as I can. And then I'm going to see if I can write for some magazines and, I've been able to prospect and actually like grow my business and influence. Cause that's where like, I still view myself primarily as a salesperson. So if I'm selling myself to a a guitar magazine that can get my brand out there and it's not about me, but it's about like guitar players will benefit from hearing some of the lessons that I figured out. And so what, what does the discipline of that space look like? Somebody gave you 10 hours of margin um (laughs) yeah what do you do with it uh i look at the pain points in my business like okay pain points relieved what's the next biggest whack-a-mole that has to be dealt with and like (laughs) well the next one is youtube is a really fickle mistress and so like my Mm. view my views are down and so what does that mean am i boring it's like no it's just i haven't been you know because i've been editing so much video and renovating the space I haven't been out buying and selling guitars in the vlog format of videos, which perform best for me. Like when I'm out yucking it up with people and interacting and they're seeing people talk about a guitar and seeing cool, unusual guitars. And so it's just, I mean, there's 30 plates spinning and that's, so as soon as I get margin, I'd look at what is the problem and what's causing that problem. And so that's where for me, uh, the other two things is like, I have, I'm I'm finally, and this is also like COVID and vaccine and all that. Like I'm finally getting to do collaboration videos and get out and be with other guitar players and other guitar YouTubers. But yeah, I, I'm firmly convinced that that time does not equal money. Like I learned that years ago when I learned I landed the biggest deal of my life. Um, so I used to sell. Uh, it's an XRF, so it's uh, an X-ray instrument that you use to find lead paint in soil, dust, and paint. Basically, I landed a deal that I personally made about $120,000. And it was because I knew the right guy and he invited me to a 15-minute meeting with the Department of Environmental Quality. And it's like, it's time does not equal money because that 15 minutes made me 120 grand. And then I spent thousands of hours doing other stuff that I never got paid for. Um, I think specialization, and I understand not everyone is a specialist, but if you are a specialist and you're able to hone in on a thing you like and you become an expert in that your, the value you can pack into small amounts of time can become very profitable. 
Um, and so that's why now a guitar company sending me a guitar that I'm going to make a seven minute video on because I've paid attention to their brand for 20 years and can pack, you know, in those seven minutes, I can, yeah. It's kind of like a mechanic where it's like shop time. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, but yeah, where it's like, there is shop time, but because you've done this, you know, you've done wheel bearings 300 times, I can beat shop time. Like I can do it yeah. in an hour instead of five hours. Yeah. Um, so wait, was that, was that deal that you just mentioned? Was that as the guitar hunter? No, that was, that, that was, was back in my instrument. Um, in my high tech okay. gadgets days. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's okay. no lead paint in guitars. Yeah. yeah I'm like, wait a second. Okay. Not, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, I'm sorry. And real quick. So that made your company 120,000. No, that was me. That was income. Oh, wow. So, oh, wow. I, okay. so I made, I made 10% commission and normally yeah, you'd find onesie twosies. And so the instrument that, so the x-ray instrument is about, $15,000. So each one I'd sell, I'd make about 1500 bucks, but all of a sudden I get to where it's like, Oh, this whole project, I can talk you into requiring. So basically there's three instruments in the world that can do this. Then this job specked out, you have to use this one. And then I was the only, I was the manufacturer's rep. I was the only person you could buy that from. And you had to show that you were trained by me which also is an added fee. Good. So nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, wow. that was, yeah, back in my sales days. Um, but yeah, wow. time does not equal money. I think Jim Rohn said it, and I could be wrong, but I remember him, you know, on, on a course saying, um, time does not equal money. The value that you put into the time is what it was. It's, I love that you just said that. I, I've heard it said another way, which is, and it's a, a friend of mine said this that does hourly marketing consulting, but he's saying, like, you're not paying for my time. You're paying for the 30 years it took for me to be able to explain that in 15 minutes. Yeah. And that's where, like, it's, it's all of this specialization that comes into that moment that you can dissect a problem and add a ton of value. So this is a weird, small tangent, like for the folks that are, I think it's for the people that are listening that are uniquely gifted relationally, right? So you're one, Mike for sure is one. I know several other people that like, they fit that, that Malcolm Gladwell, like connector. Uh, I just want to throw this out. That is one of the most lucrative um, skill sets to have is to be able to build relationships and friendships. Because you just talked about like how you can learn a product. Like you can, yeah. you learned about some really strange like technology and you were able to sell it because you, you explained it well and you built relationships. Like what would you say to other people that feel like they don't have any skills, but they really love people and they love relationships? I've also, I've also found that um, I know for me, I've had very low success applying for jobs and getting those jobs, but I've, found opportunities when I just connect with old, old friends. And if you say like, just call and say like, Hey, what are you guys doing? What are you up to these days? Check in, just hear about their lives. And then, you know, in the honesty of relationship, you can say like, Hey, like I'm actually, I'm really not into what I'm doing now. I'm up for, I'm up for new things. And I mean, that's where, that's how I've always found it. So, um, Mike's I would just, right now. I totally relate. I feel like that's a story of my life too, in terms of how I've, I, yeah. I don't, I, gosh, technically 
the applications I've submitted have, have, have been, have led, how do I say this? The relationships led to it is my point. Exactly. It started with the relationship and that conversation. Then they asked as an application, it was almost kind of like, a, you know, uh, well, we know you have to give us this application. So why don't you do it so we can make it official? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, but even then, like my first strategy, because I just view life through relationships. Like as soon as I'm in the room, I'm figuring out who we know in common. I'll, you know, oh, you went to this school. And like, I mean, I will find some connection. And, uh, but so here's, here's where I, cause I'm not, a, I'm not a yeah. two. I love persons, but I can't stand people. That's about yeah. how I can describe it. Like I just, <laughs> like to me, numbers are safer. Machines are safer, you know, cause yeah. the down there's, you know, yeah. Anyways, that's not important. When you can't be like you're offering music and friendship to the world. Mm-hmm. And but I think this is where twos have to be careful. Yes. You could only be friends with so many people before exactly. it gets diluted. So I'm looking at your the business structure and saying, okay, if Jeremy's gonna be friends, build this thing of friendship, you have to figure out how you offer yourself to people, what exactly. the boundaries are. But if friendship is like one of the key components, which it kind of is in the title, yeah. Like um, you you touched on it, but I want you to go back to it. What are the other performance indicators? Like, like what are the other things that bolster the business when you can't be friends with everybody? Exactly. Um, well, and I, I think there are there's two components to that because um, in one way you are completely right that um, I know for me now. I'm friended up. Like I've got all the friends that I need <laughs> and like, cause, th- and it, it's unfortunate. There are people that, that connect with me through Instagram or social media somehow. And um, I've really had to start protecting like my personal cell phone number and these things because people will just like hound me and then they'll like send me memes and inside and try and make inside jokes. And I'm like, so for me more, it's uh, I'm not selling Guitar Hunter, you will be friends with me. But I'm selling friendship is a key, not a fruit of the spirit, but it is a thing that happens when people become truly humans. Like I live in a really Mennonite part of the world. And what I love about the Mennonite theology is that they say in the fall, all relationships broke, but relationships between God and humans, humans and other humans, humans and the earth. And so Mennonites, they say, how do we fix the brokenness in the world? And so they say, we're going to head in two directions. As humans are restored to the father, we will work to restore the earth to the father. And so that's why tons of Mennonites are farmers. And then the other direction is say, hey, how, do, how else do we fix this? Well, humans are broken to other humans. So we will become counselors and we'll, and we'll go into the social sciences and we will help humans be connected to each other. So there's a restorative thing that the Holy Spirit does in people and that God's work in the world does is to connect people to each other. So that's one of my missions is uh, as I'm cultivating this community, they will become friends with each other. And that's the coolest thing that I've seen. And like, I'm in it, but I'm not like, I'm not going to be in all their chats and like, and that's actually worked pretty naturally and pretty well to where I don't feel a ton of pressure to be friends. Now, there are subscribers that I've become really good friends with and I really like. It's also been really good becoming friends with other people, other YouTubers who are, because it's such a specialized thing, like so few people are actually doing it. Like I just looked recently, 
how how many channels make it to 10,000 subscribers? And it's like one in a hundred thousand. Um, and then how many channels make it above like to 25 is the next indicator. And it's like one in a million or like one in a hundred thousand of those that make it to 10,000, make it to 25. And so that's where you're like, so it's like me and 999,000 other people who didn't make it doing the channel. It's becoming a very hard thing to do, but anyway, becoming friends with other people that are doing the same thing I'm doing has been really helpful. So you're saying you're building, you're, you're offering them community, but I mean, you're not, you're not running the community for them. You're encouraging them in that direction. Right. And I, I'm, yeah, I, so I'm about to launch um, this week. I'm going to start launching two, two things. Uh, one is a Facebook group, like a private Facebook group, that will be for selling guitars, buying guitars, asking questions, consulting with each other. I've been hesitant to do this because Facebook groups are terrible. And there's always this like, just so much work to police, like don't be assholes to each other. Like, you know, be kind. And then you have to have admins and then those admins go on power trips. So I've pushed this off for a year. (laughs) You're you're (laughs) outlining all my fears right now. Cause Mike and I are trying to build a community of people that basically yeah. have resigned from left and right. Yeah. Want to see the kingdom move forward, want to use commerce, yes. want to get our hands dirty. But what you've outlined is my fear. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that yeah. We have to keep creating platforms for these different kinds of relationships again, because we're not face to face. Yeah. It makes those relationships hard. And it, it just for me, it brings out the worst in me. Yeah. Um, well, Mike was describing a comment that he got and, you know, somebody, he puts, he put a responded to, you know, Mike is always kind. That's what I know about him. When Mike post makes a post on LinkedIn, like it's always kind. And, and so he got a not so kind response. And I was like, Mike, this is what my response would be, which gave him a chuckle. That's but right. I could never, I could never put that in writing. Because, so I sold one of your guitars and then a guy, I saw oh, one yeah. of your guitars with like a general yes. and uh, somebody had a snarky response to I, PW. I just want you to know that was a Holy spirit moment <laughs> that I, I, I wanted to go after that guy. Like yeah. he, he obviously had gone through his, a season of pain because he was talking about his father passing. Yeah. But his response to me, I mean, he's never met me before. Yeah. Was just being a total jackass. And and it was financial advice. And part of it was like, and I really just, I wanted to get back on there. And I still, I thought about it yesterday. That comment yeah. was three weeks ago, four weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. And I was like, Hey brother, if you're, if you still want to, you know, display your financial prowess, you're welcome to come on our podcast. And of course I didn't say that. Yeah. That'll and, show him. Yeah. Again, I'm learning. Yeah. Justice doesn't. Yeah. doesn't yeah. apply. So that that's the other, um, so people are like humans are both image bearers and they are the worst. (laughs) Like those are both true. And, um, and so, so YouTube has an interesting thing where you, you can choose trigger words or like keywords that you will just automatically block the comments. But the downside is you have to then write a list of all the things you don't want to be called (laughs) like fat, stupid, ugly, dumb like uh into youtube for them to then block out all this stuff so one of the skills i'll 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 
unpack this real quick. One of the skills you have to really develop if you are building an online brand is the ability to diffuse tension. There are certain people that they lean into controversy and to arguing, that's not my brand at all. My, my strategy is like, I mean, and it's pretty close to who I am, like winsome, caring, thoughtful. I'll let people stand alone in their dumb opinions, but be able to diffuse tension. Yeah, that's uh, so I had listened to a podcast recently about how to do better podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that the, the most recent episode I listened to had to do with uh, pulling together a community, starting groups, whether it be yep. Facebook or somewhere else. And one of the things that she said, though, this this lady and she's and she's been very successful in in curating and, and bringing together people and groups and stuff is she said, don't start it unless you are ready to spend some time involved in it. And it yeah. sounds like that's what you were talking about. They, they, it's taking time for you and you're realizing yeah. it's taking time because she said you can, if you start the group or you say you're going to start the group and you're going to offer value and then you don't show up or you don't do what you say you're going to do, yeah. that just kills it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's, that's why I haven't done it so far. Cause it's the same way. Like I just like the internet is such a poor substitute for actual relationship. And I think we're getting better. I think, you know, we're 30 years into the internet being a pretty regular part of it and having these avatars of who you are in the world. So I would much rather, like, I'd rather spend time. I'm going to travel and go to a fun guitar shop and we'll do a meetup and there'll be 50 people there. They'll bring guitars. We'll hang out. That's way more fun to me. Uh, but I don't think, I don't think the world is quite ready for that yet. Or, you know, like, so, I mean, that that's on the horizon for me. Like when I'm looking at what, are, what are the next things I want to do when I grow? Like I want to travel because I've got friends in most major cities around the country and we can hang out with them. And yeah, building a community is like critically important and it's so hard. Yeah. It's, so, it's, it's working. And I want to go back to just a highlight because I, I got to kind of insert myself into your community just for yeah moments um i i bought a a terribly undervalued guitar several years ago a few years ago um and and it was it was a bucket list guitars one that i really wanted to write on and it i don't know it just kind of inspired me and yeah but you know because of just where we are financially and medical bills and all this kind of stuff i just we just needed a catch-up moment so the epiphany was like oh i have a friend that actually does this and and i didn't know I didn't know the numbers. So I didn't know like, yeah. Um, until we started talking about it, I told Amanda, I was like the, the gift that you guys gave us, that your family gave us in selling this guitar and Jeremy sold it and didn't take a dime from it. Um, which, you know, there's a, there is normally a markup, you know, when yeah. you're buying and selling guitars, but he, he did, he did it on, cons well, not even consignment, but just for free. Yeah. And so, so that whole process was amazing. Um, I've, the second point, which is minor, is this is the most expensive time for guitars ever. Yeah. I've never seen my, I have two more guitars at home that I play. I've never seen them valued so high, like, cause I'm always yeah. looking for used ones. And I, they're selling for more than what I paid for them in 2005. Like mm -hmm. the used, my guitar that I play the most, and it's got 16 years of use, is now it's selling higher than what I actually paid for it. 16 yeah. years later, which is insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which uh, mileage varies and sure. do not buy guitars now thinking they will <laughs> be worth yeah, more in 15 years. 
the 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 most significant point to this is though even though that that you know that richard got on and yeah you know said his nasty comment you even know his name <laughs> oh that's his name i don't know oh no that's his no, name. no that i like to say richard instead of dick but got it um, got it he <laughs> okay. There were, I mean, literally, like, there were some, the guy who bought it sent me an amazing note that you passed on to me. And it was so, I mean, it was nothing short of beautiful. Dude, isn't it? Yeah. It was so beautiful. Like, the and guy were, wrote me, he wrote me a, a, I mean, I might as well have been a letter saying, this is what I'm going to do with the guitar. This is what I do. It's, it is in a good home, like, kind of take heart. Mm-hmm. Um, another friend of yours said, you know, tell your friend he's not alone and sent a check. He didn't even buy the guitar, but he just sent a random check to you. Like a, a good amount of money, a good amount of money, like an um, amazing. Yeah. Um, another family, you know, said, Hey, we've just gone through the same thing. Um, and they sent money as well. And it, there's, it was incredible to see just this beautiful response, you know, and again, I was focusing on the guy who was like picking on me, but yeah. Um, so much amazing stuff just around this one post of you yeah. saying, Hey, you know, friendship is, is really what we're here for. So Which, kudos to you. Thank you for doing it in public. Yeah. Um, and encouraging other people to do the same. Cause it really did. You saw people bring out the best in, in each other. Yeah. You created community and relationship in, in a, the most deep, meaningful way possible in that situation. And, and that's what you get to do through, through yeah. your YouTube channel. Yeah. And that man, that's what, um, I I'm amazed at the community that's come up around what I'm doing. Cause it all started, I was buying a really expensive guitar in like on the Gulf coast in Mississippi. And I was like, Oh man, I wonder if there's any tips on YouTube on how to buy old guitars. And there was nothing like, okay, well a friend of mine, let me borrow his camera. I was like, I'll just film it today. And, and like, then that video got like 30,000 views in a couple of weeks. I was like, okay, I guess I'll make some more videos. And I just like brought people along as I was buying and selling guitars. And the coolest ones are always like old guy. He's owned this guitar for 60 years and he's retiring. And he, and it, we just, I mean, it's the things that we're all both afraid of and want to do better. Like we want to do things now to make a more meaningful life at the end, which is uh, legacy relationship, family and friends Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, to me, like that's the, that's the hard drugs, especially for a two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, baby. The deep and meaningful friendships that abide yes. you know, for 50 years and um, just helping people figure each other out. And, you know, yeah, there's an amazingly generous, because I, it all comes back to like valid work causes human flourishing. Mm-hmm. And so valid work is work that causes the potential that the Lord created the world with to bubble up into people Mm. and people respond to it. It makes people human. And so humans are meant to be generous. Like that is so like, yes, I mean, it's awesome. So Jeremy, in, in a previous um, conversation, you, man, you made, you made me really think, and and it's something that really resonated with me is you talked about the difference between legitimate and illegitimate work, but relative to the conversation of um, all things being holy. Yeah. Can you Man. kind of finish that thought? Yeah. So uh became a Christian through Young Life. And like, oh, I want to work for Young Life. 
that, that's what I'm going to do. So I asked the guys around me, like, well, how do I work for Young Life? Oh, well, you go to college. Okay, what do I major in? Doesn't matter. Get a college degree. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I like, that's great. I like special education. So I went to school for special education, never intended to be a teacher. I didn't think it was like, if anything, a fallback. And I led Young Life at a small high school in Virginia for a long time. And at the end of it, I'd been leading for seven years. And uh, I invited my wife, my girlfriend at the time. I was like, I just, I, it's so fun. I love Young Life and you should come. And, and so we come and my wife is like amazingly sweet. Uh, she's an Enneagram five. She's a researcher. She's, she's very introverted. And um, she, she came to club. And to me, it's like this like perfect, great club. And we left and she's really quiet. She's kind of looking out the window. I was like, what'd you think? She's like, oh, I, I hated it. I hated everything. <laughs> She's like, it was so loud and obnoxious. And you, you were just so obnoxious. I was like, oh, okay. And she's like, I think we have to break up because like, I, I'm not going to be a young life wife. And, uh, and she, it was like being facetious, but, um, but it like threw me for a loop. I was like, this is the thing I'm going to do. And in really like sweet kindness. She was just like, Hey, like you could not work for young life and still have a really great, meaningful life. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I'd ever thought about it. And so all of a sudden it started and I was like, Oh man, like maybe I've volunteered, maybe I've led for young life for too long. And so I started by, I stopped leading that next summer right before we got married. And all of a sudden I just showed up in the world into the workforce with a degree I never planned on using and I'm not going into ministry. And I was like, oh man, like, well, I better find a job where I can make a bunch of money so I can support Young Life and give money to the church. Like that's the only valid role for work, right? And uh, I had a really dear friend. He's an Anglican priest. He's actually, we moved back. We're back in the same church, but he's an old friend and he married us. Um, but my friend Aubrey said like, hey, there's no divide between holy work and secular work. Like God put humans on the earth to, to cause flourishing. And any place in which, uh, you know, and he, and he said this great, I think it's Abraham Kuyper. No, hold on. It might be Martin Luther. Anyway, old Christian guy <laughs> said, he said, you know, if God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who milks God's cows? The milkmaids. And so you're like, how does, God, how does God govern his world? He governs his world through his people being faithful to him and obedient to their mission. And so mm. with that, I was working in a medical clinic. So I stumbled into a job um, as a business development manager for a medical clinic. And that's when I really started to change my view of vocation. Instead of just saying like, oh, well, the only work that matters is being a pastor or a priest or uh, working for a ministry. And then everything else, as long as you get money to all of a sudden where it's like all work matters and you can bring about like God is ruling his world. He's, he's breaking into this world. And as a kid who grew up in the punk rock and the DIY scene, there's something amazing about the stick it, stick it to the man component of Christianity that is like, God is subverting the powers of this world and bringing about his right rule. There is a new way that's here that is good for people and good for the world. Um, and so that's where, for me, like my work now, like, yeah, I sit in my, I, well, 
used to sit in my basement. Now I sit in my garage and I talk to a camera like it's a person. Um, but this is the work that I've been given to do. And people are coming alive as a result. And uh, they're, and I mean, the thing is, I'm not, I'm not like, I don't talk about Christianity much. Like I'll say like I played at church or I did, but I, every week I get people that are like, Hey, like, I just want to, I want to think about life the way you think about it. How do you do that? And that's when I invite them into like, Hey, like it's because I'm a Christian and it's because I believe in Jesus and it's this book and read, read this book. Let me know if you need. And you know, I also, in my two-e-ness, I'm like, oh, you're in Chapel Hill. Like, oh, my friend Kevin lives there. Like, Kevin, here's this guy. You guys become friends. So anyway, invalid work is work that does not bring about human flourishing. So there are many, like, pornography does not bring about human flourishing. Um, I would say, like, uh, I would say credit card companies. That's my personal thing. Uh, but I think debt collection putting people into places where they become slaves to a financial situation that is invalid work doesn't cause human flourishing causes suffering. And yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's my basic like valid versus invalid uh, view of work. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, Jeremy, that was so worth the price of admission (laughs) to hear you say that, man. I appreciate that. I love, and I, and, yeah, interesting. You mentioned the subversive nature of God's kingdom because that is that was something that really stood out to me when I was in seminary. Was learning that, yeah. and and man, did I glom on to that man? Mm-hmm. Oh, to just know that God is like breaking in, and it's and that that subversive uh, word is just so appealing to me because yeah. it's I don't know, it's uh, it's intentional, it's. Uh, it, it give it makes you, or encourages me that God is at work and doing some mm-hmm. cool things that we can't, maybe can't see and do see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but also that like, yeah, in a sense, like we can look at all the, the bad in the world, the, you know, um, the, the rulers of the world of, of, you know, a certain sense, like I think of Psalm, I can't remember which Psalm it is. It talks about the fact that, you know, why, why do you plan and plot you rulers of the world? Like mm-hmm. as if, as if like you're outside the realm of God's control in some way, or that he's just not going to absolutely use you like a pawn anyway to accomplish his kingdom purposes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that. I love that. I love that. Anyway. Oh man. And I, um, I've, I've been hugely influenced <clears throat> by N.T. Wright, particularly his book, Surprised by Hope. And where it's yeah. like, hey, just like the Bible doesn't end with people's souls going out and singing on a cloud somewhere. That's right. Because it, it ends with physical reality changing and God living with his people. Um, and also that heaven is not a far off place. It's another dimension of this place. And it is the control room from which God lives and controls this world. Uh, it's just, man. um, it's a great way of describing it. It yeah, it's just it's I remember how deeply unsatisfying the view of heaven I was brought up in where it's like one day you'll get to spend 10,000 years singing a song. And I remember singing Amazing Grace and being like in the fourth verse be like I'm already kind of bored. <laughs> but if yeah. but if yes. But if, but if heaven is a thick like the Bible starts with God with his people in a garden saying, 
you know, we will bring out all the potential this place has to offer. And it's this long, crazy story that ends with God living in a city with his people. And the middle of that city is a garden. And it's, we will live here and we will bring out all the potential this place has. Like, it's the same story. Mm, And yeah. So that's what we're working towards is like our work now brings it to that place. Friends, thank you for listening in. You have been listening to Blue Collar Money with P.W. Gopal and Mike Hatch. If you would like to reach out to P.W. directly, you can reach him through his website at pwgopal.com. Or you can reach out to Mike Hatch at empoweredmanhood.com. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming content. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you soon.